also want to welcome those who are worshipping with us or watching this on LiveGate Outreach TV, our YouTube channel, and uh, those of you that may be listening to this by our audio broadcasts on iTunes and Buzzsprouts. I want to say that God who reaches us here will reach you where you are in the name of Jesus. If man can make technology that allows us to reach you in Canada, in Europe, in Africa, uh, other parts of the Americas, uh, by just man's ingenuity and technology, how much more God who created all things. I know that as he's reaching us here, he's reaching you right where you are in the name of Jesus. So we are truly grateful for the privilege to come to the end of this series We have been on an eight-week journey looking at the names of God under a caption of enjoying holiness by divine help. Enjoying holiness by divine help. And the last four topics are displayed on the screen. The last four weeks we've looked at uh, the name of God, Elohim, the name of God, Jehovah, and uh, we said so many names come out of the strand, Jehovah. We said one of the strands of the name of God is El or Elohim, and that's why we have the El Shaddai, and we have the El Roy, like we looked at some time back, and um, all those names that are El mean God who introduces himself in one way or the other. But we say Jehovah is the strand of the name of God that reveals God for a relational encounter with his people. And we said many uh, the, the children of Israel, before they were taken back to Egypt, knew God as El. They knew God as El. They knew him as El Shaddai, like Abraham did. They knew him as El Roy, and those names that we know uh, from the uh, scriptural encounters. But when God was sending Moses back to Egypt, he said, I want you to tell them that I am that I am. I am Yahweh. I am Jehovah. I am the self-existent one, the one who is going to lead them out. And from that point, he began to reveal himself in many other ways that they could know him. We looked at Jehovah Nisi, and uh, we are today, by the grace of God, looking at his name, Jehovah Ra. We have been using the scriptures from 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13 to verse 16 as our anchor scriptures, So today as we look at Jehovah Ra, the Lord our shepherd, we're going to read those scriptures again as we see how Jehovah Ra helps us to be a people of holiness. Let's read together again very quickly, verse 13, 1, 2, go. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Verse 14, as Obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts, as in your ignorance, verse 15, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, verse 16, because it is written, be holy, for I am holy. So we who are the called one, the ecclesia, as we know, the church, the, and I've said to you many times that the church is not a building called out. The church is you and I individually and then the church collectively as the body of Christ. Every one of us called out are mandated to be holy. When God created man, he mandated him. He said, be fruitful. It's a mandate. 
So man has no choice than to keep being fruitful. He said, be fruitful, multiply. And the same way, when man regenerated man, he said, you be holy. Be holy, for I am holy. My nature is holy. His divine nature is holiness. And this divine nature of God is expressed, for relational purposes, is expressed in the names that he reveals to us. So that we can have the relationship with him and understand how he makes us holy. Let's look at Second Peter chapter 1 from verse 2. Second Peter chapter 1 verse 2. Let's read that together. He said, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Verse 3. Verse 3. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. Don't forget we are the called out ones, the ecclesia. The Bible says that he has given us those things that for life and godliness. What did he say in verse 4? Let's read together. By which we have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of what? The divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. That verse is so loaded, but yet we skip over it many times. There is a part of God that you can take. There is a part of God that I can take. That is why it's called partaking. Partaking means I am being a part of, I am enjoying a part of. So you a partaker, me a partaker are enjoying together we are enjoying a part of the nature of god his divine nature the bible says that divine nature has given us everything that we need for life and godliness so he called us out escaping the corruption that is in the world through lusts but the calling out is not just to call us out to hang us out he called us out so that we can become partakers of his divine nature. So those his divine nature is expressed in the various names and in the various expressions that he has and is revealed to us. Hallelujah. So Jehovah Ra, in some cases known as Jehovah Rohi, in some cases known as Jehovah Roe, that is R-O-E-H, all mean the same thing, means the Lord is the Lord that shepherds me. The Lord that shepherds me. The word roi or ra, which is derived, means shepherd in Hebrew. The Lord is my shepherd. Hallelujah. So when we know that Jehovah, the name Jehovah means the self-existent one, the one who reveals himself, and then he said he is Jehovah Ra. It means that the self-existent one is my shepherd. The self-existent one is my shepherd. The one that was not created is my shepherd. This is for emphasis. Because you see, if you are partaking of a person or of a thing, you must know what it is. You must know exactly what the powers and what the characteristics and what the uh, what that person or that thing contains so for jehovah ra to be your shepherd you must understand and remind yourself that he is the self-existent one and he shepherds you the one who needs no help is your helper 
The one who was not created is your creator. The one who cannot die is your source of life. The one who is eternal, the Bible says now unto the king, immortal, eternal, invisible. The only wise God is your shepherd. Now you need to understand this so that you don't just read the Bible and understand and have a relationship with God like people that lack understanding. When you know that his name is Jehovah, the self-existent one, the one who cannot be destroyed, the one who was not created, the one that was and is and is to come, you understand that him being your shepherd means he knows your tomorrow. You and I have no clue what will be happening this time tomorrow. The weather people do a lot of work from years of research, and they try. I give them a kudos. They do, they do try. But many, many times, we all know they get it wrong. <laughs> they get it wrong. From time to time, because it is impossible for man to know beyond what God allows him to know. That's why the Bible says the secret things belong to God. Deuteronomy 29, 29. But those things which are revealed. Someone say what? Those things that are revealed. So no matter how much technology can, can do exploits and do things, everything you see today is the extent to which God has allowed the human mind to develop. If he chooses to stop it there, you cannot, despite what science is saying, they, they, we can't proceed more than that. Many years ago, some of the things that we see today and we're enjoying freely were argued that they could not happen because at that time it was not yet allowed by man. You know why I suspect that that has been happening? When God was allowing man to think freely, Genesis chapter 11. Man wanted to build a tower that would reach the heavens. God said, these ones, I must stop them here. I must start containing them because they have all the element of what it takes in me. God himself said they were going to do it if nobody stops them. Have you, did you read that in your Bible? I don't know how. Today we talk about Bosch Khalifa. It's only 800 meters tall and we're talking about it as the tallest building. So, and uh, they're building another one in Jeddah now. It will be 1.2 kilometers we are waiting to see it. Praise the Lord. But do you know that does not even reach the atmosphere. It doesn't even reach where planes fly. Hmm? You get what I mean? So if, if man's limit is there and God put it there, it simply means that God who said it was possible for man to achieve it then meant that the capacity in man at that time would have built that tower. Our brains cannot comprehend it now because God had curtailed it. <laughs> Hallelujah. So, but if he is the self-existent one and who is our shepherd, we don't need to bog ourselves down with how we get about. What we need to do is to know how to keep maintaining that relationship with Jehovah Ra, the self-existent one who shepherds us. Hallelujah. The other versions of that name, Ra, also means friend or companion. And so we can also say that Jehovah is my friend. Jehovah is my companion. And it's good to know these things because it helps us in our relationship with God. Now, of course, this name was first revealed to one of the greatest kings, I believe the greatest king that ever lived and that will ever live. Not because I bear his name, but because he's a man I love so much. King David. King David was a man that had a very, very unique relationship with God. We know David was far from being perfect in his life. But it is undeniable that this human character had a passion for God that was very uncommon. He had a love for God that many people could never match and would never be able to match. Is it his love for God in composing songs for God? Is it in the prophetic declarations of what God was laying on his heart concerning what was going to come? 
Is it his heart for giving to the things of God? I mean, David gave like no human being has ever given. Proper substance, the Bible calls it in First Corinthians, Chronicles 29. He said, I have given to God of my own proper good. Gold for gold, silver for silver. You could not beat that. Not even in our day and age. Uh, theologians and economists have tried to put figures to what he gave. And today's money is in billions of whatever currency you want to talk about. Billions. So there is no doubt that David was a very unique character. For God to have revealed himself to David as Jehovah Rohi or Jehovah Ra, it means definitely that there is something that God wanted us to learn. So we read of his psalm in Psalm 23 verse 1 to verse 6. Let's read that together, verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. This is very important. A shepherd is one who leads flock. Some of you have never seen farms, and um, I just don't want you to be like those kids that were asked in school that where does milk come from, and uh, one of them said from Tesco. Milk does not come from Tesco. It comes from somewhere before it gets to Tesco. Okay. <laughs> doesn't come from Tesco. Asda. Asda and Tesco only buy from the real place it comes from. And if you see a farm and you see sheep, particularly in a farm, and you see a shepherd, you will understand this. The role of a shepherd is that he leads the flock. The flock are limited. They do not know where they ought to go. They can use their senses, they can try, but only under the guidance of a shepherd, one who sees beyond what they can see, one who can help them to waters, one who can help them to green pastures and food, and they follow him, that they have a rest and a life that is not as frustrating. So David said, the Lord is my shepherd. Say with me, the Lord is my shepherd. Say, the Lord is my shepherd. Say, he is my Jehovah Ra. Very important. My shepherd. If you don't personalize it, you will always lose out on the privilege that he is giving to you as a person. A lot of people are looking for people who are following God. Not understanding that those people that follow God are just as privileged. You are just as privileged as they are. Everyone has the opportunity to call the Lord his shepherd. And the moment you make the Lord your shepherd, everything called want in your life dies. Every time you see want, it simply means you have lost sight of the shepherd. Every time you see a sheep out of the sheepfold looking for food amidst plenty, on a luscious green, but his hair caught in, uh, in some thorn somewhere and it's on some dry patch. It means that sheep has lost connection with the shepherd. That sheep is in want. When the prodigal son, as long as he was living in his father's house and everything was good and beautiful, he was enjoying until that thing got into him. And he said, Father, give me all my goods. I'm going away. And the Bible says he left home and having spent all, he began to be in want. He began to be in want. The elder brother was still at home, enjoying all the bounties and the goodies of home because that was the God-ordained place at that point in time. The Lord is saying, as your shepherd, you must learn how to depend on him so that you will not be in want. The psalmist says, I shall not want. 
It is not conditional. It is not suggestive. It is mandatory that as long as the Lord remains my shepherd, I shall not want. And I decree that you shall not want also. In the name of Jesus. No true sheep can ever be in, in want if they are following the shepherd. Verse 2. Verse 2. He said, he makes me, let's read that now. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He does what? He leads me beside still waters. Green pastures talk about total nourishment. He feeds my spirit. He feeds my soul. He feeds my body, the things that I need. You see, it is not the food that you eat and you know how well to eat that makes you healthy. And I'm not in any way saying don't eat healthy. But I'm letting you know that whatever you eat, as God blesses it, it adds nourishment to you in the way only God can make it happen. And I know the dietitians and nutritionists will tell me that there are certain vitamins and all that that you may have. And I don't doubt that in one instance to say, don't follow. But I can tell you, I have been to parts of this world and I've seen people who eat nothing other than maize and maize, maize in the morning, maize in the afternoon, maize in the evening, and their teeth are perfectly white and shining, and they are looking glorious and radiant. You think they had a balanced meal. I'm not saying that's good. I'm only saying that there must be something else that something that is a supernatural force adds to it that brings the nourishment that a balanced diet would have brought in the first instance. You cannot beat God the Bible says he makes me to lie down in what? In green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Still waters talk about rest. He leads me to the place of my rest. This morning, those of you that were around for Power Tower, we were talking about the importance of rest. Rest is God's design for the people of God. The Bible says there, therefore, Hebrews chapter 4, remains a rest for the people of God. Rest is a an exclusive preserve of those who are named by the name of the Lord. He leads us. Jehovah Ra's duty is to make you to lie down. The word lie down means to be constantly assured of green pastures. And the word leads me beside still waters. Those, that phrase there means that he takes you on a journey that causes you to always be achieving rest in all that you do. This means that as you work and as you labor, God blesses your energy. He blesses your time. He blesses your money. You see, a lot of people think that it is making more money that brings rest. Making more money as much as God wants to bless you is a good thing. But I tell you, if God blesses the 1,000 pounds you have, it's much better for you than a cursed 10,000 pounds. You won't even see the cursed 10,000 pounds. You, you just see it in figures and then it vanishes. <laughs> That's not good money. It's not good money. But the, the blessed 1,000 pounds does so much for you, it will look like the five loaves and the two fish that just keeps supplying. It keeps supplying. And you are, you are wondering, it's not much more than that quantity in the real sense of it, but it's so blessed that it is achieving much more than a quantitative figure of 5,000 loaves and uh, uh, 10,000 pieces of fish would have accomplished, if you get what I mean. This is how the Jehovah Ra leads us beside still waters. Verse 3, verse 3, very quickly, the Bible says what? He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. That means that in this journey, I continue to enjoy a restoration of my soul. 
This talks about I achieve forgiveness. I enjoy his mercy. The Bible says also that uh, the psalmist said, Why are you downcast, O oh, my soul? Put your hope in God. There are many times that the enemy seeks to knock down your soul, to make you distraught, to make you discomfited, to make you uh, uh, upset, to make you fidget, to make you afraid. It brings fear to your soul. The Bible says that every time your soul is pulled away from a place of rest or from a place of a holy walk with God, because it talks about the paths of righteousness. Every time he's pulled away from the paths of righteousness to the paths of unrighteousness, he says that God, who is your shepherd, restores your soul. May he continue to restore you. I say may he continue to restore you in the name of Jesus. This is not to say that, you know, we live casually and just say that he will restore our soul. But this is just to assure us that in our finite minds, many times we make wrong decisions. Young people, be very careful about the decisions you make. Especially when your parents are giving you a note of caution and they are telling you, think about it, think about it, think about it. Because many times, God is speaking through them to help you to see the things that you've never seen. I don't think any father in this life, any true father will ever want their child to make the mistakes that they've made. Nobody, no father, no mother would ever want that to happen. So many times, please listen as long as the Lord is working through them because it can help you. It's part of how God helps us to have our souls restored. Hallelujah. That's by the side. But let us use whatever avenue God gives us the opportunity to have our souls restored. Look at verse 4. Let's read verse 4 together. He say, yeah, verse 4, very quickly, verse 4, verse 4. He say, yeah, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Hallelujah. This talks about divine protection. As you make this journey, you must understand that there will be times that you will be walking through the valley of the shadow of death. These are not things that we like to go through. I've never seen a believer wake up in the morning and say, Lord, as I wake up today, I want calamity. I want trouble. I want work to be hard. I want my journey to, to, to school to be the most to, 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 torturous one I've ever had. Have you ever heard anybody praying like that? If somebody is praying like that by your side, just say, Lord, mercy, 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 because they have no idea what they're saying. <laughs> Nobody ever prays like that. But do you know that some days are like that? The moment you step out of, if you don't even need to step out of the house, just off the bed is good enough for the devil to just start playing tricks. Things will just start happening. And it's just like an orchestration of evil everywhere you are. Always remember that Jehovah Ra is with you. You have no need to fear any evil. I say fear no evil. In the name of Jesus. He said, though I will walk through this valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Because you are with me. For you are with me. The connection between your faith and God in you not being afraid of evil is your knowledge that God is with you. Hallelujah. It is so important that Jehovah Ra is always remembered every time. Verse 5. Let's read verse 5 and 6 very quickly because I still want to touch on one or two things before we close this. Verse 5 and 6, it says what? You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. 
You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Verse 6. Verse 6. Say what? Verse 6. Go back to verse 6, please. Please. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The Bible says he prepares a table before you and I in the presence of our enemies. Hallelujah. He said, you anoint my head with oil and my cup runs over. Surely of a certainty, without a shadow of a doubt, goodness and mercy will follow me. I say goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. And you will dwell in his house forever. What does that mean to you and I? It means that there will always be divine provision for divine assignments. Whatever God calls you to do, God will cause you to have the anointing. Somebody say the anointing. And he will cause you to have the provision. Somebody say the provision. He said even in the presence of your enemies, he will give you a table. That means he will continue to sustain you against every adversity. Against every challenge. Against every difficulty. I say he will continue to sustain you. This is what the shepherd does. The shepherd goes ahead of the sheep and does a survey of the area. Looks at the areas that have a potential to give them water. The areas that have a potential to give them nourishment of food. And he scouts it and then he leads them to that place. And when wild beasts who are also trying to access the same provisions are there waiting, the shepherd goes ahead and tries to scare those ones away or fight them like David did. Took the lion and took, took, tore, tore it apart. Took the bear and tore it apart. Because those things were coming to attack his sheep and he was trying to take his sheep to the place where they were going to feed and be nourished the bible says you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies no but that's why i said nobody could have understood this relationship like david and god came to him and let him see that he is truly his shepherd david was a man who knew how to protect sheep he knew how to fight wild animals to protect sheep the same way Jesus was going to come later on to lay down his life and give the ultimate sacrifice to protect you and I. May the Lord continue to cause us to enjoy these divine provisions in the mighty name of Jesus. Every assignment, God, when we talk about assignments in life, we're not just talking about, uh, um, you know, doing ministry or being in a pulpit like this. Everything God calls you to do is a divine assignment. God gives you a job. And you are going to prosper by it. You are going to be able to do the work of ministry by it. You're going to have beasts. You're going to have animals that will want to fight you and make you make life miserable for you there. Because that place is a channel of your own uh, uh, still waters. It's a type of your own still waters. It's a type of your own green pastures. So there will always be the enemies that will be in your presence who will always seek to make life a misery. But you must continue to believe in Jehovah Ra and continue to trust him for divine provision even in that place of divine assignment. In the mighty name of Jesus. I would like to quickly take us back to uh, uh, where we read in Ezekiel chapter 34. Just a few verses there. And to remind us of some things that was happening in the time of prophet Ezekiel. Prophet Ezekiel was called of God. At a time when the children of Israel were deep into idol worship. They were deep into everything offensive to God. 
And the people God called to be shepherds, who God called to look after them and feed them, were no better. They were even worse. The things that could have been used to feed God's people, those people, those shepherds, were taking them and using for themselves. So it was so bad. And many of us read these scriptures and use it to scold pastors that are not doing their work, which is very true. It is still relevant today. If a pastor privileged by God is giving the word of God and a mandate and the authority under heaven, under God in, uh, in heaven to on earth here, lead God's people, that pastor has a, a sense of duty, must have a sense of duty and responsibility to feed the flock, the word of God. He must not toy with that experience and that opportunity because that is what God expects. So that is a, is, is a, is a given and there's no negotiating that. But I want every one of us to also understand that we are pastors where we are. The Bible says you are the light of the world. You are a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. That's not written to any pastor or any bishop. It's written to every believer. As long as you follow the light of the world, John chapter 8 verse 12, Jesus, the light of the world, as long as you follow him, you are also a Matthew 5, 14, light of the world. You are also a type of that light. So everywhere we are, we are pastors. And we must understand like God was unhappy with Ezekiel, not uh, uh, with, the, with the people of God in the time of Ezekiel, that they were not feeding the sheep, God is also displeased with every one of us when we do not allow ourselves to be used of God wherever we are expected to be shining the light. So this is very important for us. But among several other things that God said to Ezekiel at that time, God said to him that he was going to brace another shepherd through his servant David. And we know that as at that point in time, David had long died and had been buried. So he wasn't talking about King David the person, but he was talking about someone who was going to come through his lineage, which we know as the Lord Jesus himself. Let's quickly look at that in Ezekiel chapter 34. Let's look at that in Ezekiel 34 from verse 11, very quickly. Ezekiel 34 verse 11. Okay, that's good. Let's read together. For thus says the Lord God, Indeed, I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out. Verse 12, As a shepherd seeks out his flock on the day he is among his scattered sheep, so will I seek out my sheep and deliver them from all the places where they were scattered on a cloudy and dark day. Verse 13, And I will bring them out from the people's and gather them from the countries and will bring them to their own land. I will feed them on the mountains of Israel, in the valleys, and in all the inhabited places of the earth. Verse 14. I will feed them in what? Good pasture. And what? Their fold shall be on the high mountains of Israel. There they shall lie down in a good fold and feed in rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. Remember what we read in Psalm 23? It will make them lie down beside the still waters and lead them to green pastures. Verse 15 now together. He said what? I will feed my flock and I will make them lie down, says the Lord God. Let's read verse 16 together. I will seek what was lost and bring back what was driven away 
bind up the broken, and strengthen what was sick. But I will destroy the fat and the strong, and feed them in judgment. May God continue to destroy the fat and the strong. In the name of Jesus. The Bible says, I say, may he destroy the fat and the strong. In the name of Jesus. Those fat and strong refer to strongholds. We're going to look at a couple now. They, they, they refer to strongholds that are trying to be shepherd and lords over your life instead of Jehovah Ra. They are trying to take over your life and run your life as opposed to God, Jehovah Ra, running your life. The Bible says, he, God said, I will seek what was lost and bring back what was driven away and bind up the broken and strengthen what was sick. This Jehovah Ra is committed to your success. I say he's committed to your success. And you will succeed by his mighty hand. In the name of Jesus. The Bible says that we are battling against strongholds. We are battling against strongholds. This is what the, he means when he says, I will destroy the fat and the strong. There are two examples of strongholds i like us to quickly look at that are always battling against our lives. The first one, we talked about it last week, and because it is so significant, we will talk about it again in the context of what we are discussing. It's called the flesh. The flesh. The flesh refers to any aspect of your life that continues to attempt to lord itself over you and make you disobey the voice of Jehovah Ra, your true shepherd. The flesh includes things like gluttony, no control over what you eat. It includes things like pleasure. And I want you to know all these things are good things, but when they are perverted, they become fleshly and they make life difficult for the person that is being led by them. God gave us food to eat. Genesis chapter 1, the Bible says, of everything that is in the garden, you may freely eat. He gave it to us. But when what we eat begins to dictate how we live, it is no longer in the place God has put it, but it has now become a Lord. There is nobody I have seen in life that can ever fast if they have no control over their desire for food. Nobody. Even if you want to train them and encourage them to fast, they stand with you when it's 10 a.m. and you are trying to pray together, encourage them together, their legs are shaking like that. <laughs> 10 a.m. <laughs> Two hours into it. And you say, brother, you've got to hold steady now. <laughs> it is a spirit that we must conquer because a man must have control over his belly. We don't talk about these things much in this day and age, but this is part of what is crippling the church today, the body of Christ. If we don't have control over sleep, Paul said, uh, Jesus said to Peter, he said, can't you just tarry with me for one hour? You are snoring already. One hour, just one hour. Because there is a lack of control over sleep. These are the things of the flesh that Jehovah Ra said he will destroy. They are strongholds where uh, strongholds are hiding places of the enemy. They are thoughts and things that the enemy hides inside to make himself the commander of our lives. Evil passions. 
God is the one that put passions there. God is the one that put pleasure there. But when they become evil, the Bible says that in Psalm 16 verse 11, the Bible says that at his right hand are what? Pleasures forevermore. God wants you to have pleasure. But when pleasure is now the domineering factor and pleasure becomes what you seek first, rather than seeking first the kingdom of God, then it is now a fat and the strong that must be destroyed. Hallelujah. Some people are compulsive buyers. Compulsive spenders. These are things. People say, oh, it's a therapy. What kind of therapy is that? Say, it's just, I just like it. When I spend money, I feel good. No. If you are spending the money you have, that's fine. Keep spending. That's, but when you are spending in debt, that's no more right. You just feel good. And what you are swiping on the card is credit. No, that's not right. That's not right. <laughs> it's not right. That is a fat and a strong that must be destroyed. It is a manifestation of evil. It is a pleasure that you must contain. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The reason why God puts a passion between, put passion between a man and his wife is to allow for holy matrimony to be sustainable. It is a good thing. Adam saw his own wife and the Bible says he liked her and he said, you are the flesh of my flesh. The bone of my bone, you will be called woman because you came out of man. It was beautiful. But what the devil came to do after making man fall is to make every Adam see every woman in that same way to desire. That is now evil passion. So a man has a wife and then he now desires every other woman he sees. That is a perversion of the passion which must be destroyed. Hallelujah. We must understand how the devil perverts the good things that God has given. Look at what the Bible says in Romans chapter 7 verse 5. God has given all these things, they are good, but the devil comes and makes them sinful. He said what? For when we were in the flesh, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work in our members. They were controlling us. We could not resist their pull. To bear fruit and their ultimate aim was to lead to our death. You shall not die by them. I say you shall not die by them. In the name of Jesus. Verse, let's go to Romans chapter 8 verse 12. Romans chapter 8 verse 12. He said, therefore brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh. To live according to the flesh. Verse 13. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Jehovah Ra wants you to keep putting to death the deeds of the body so that you can live. I say you will live in the name of Jesus. Verse 14 says, For as many that are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. There is a difference between having the power to be called the Son of God and the difference in actually living like the Son of God. John chapter 1 verse 12, the Bible says that for as many that he received him, he gave them what? Power. Power to become the sons of God. That you have the power to become the Son of God doesn't necessarily mean you exercise and enjoy that power. You only enjoy that power when you do Romans 8.14. When you allow yourself to be led by the Spirit of God in Jehovah Ra, then you enjoy the sonship. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I had my uh, British passport renewed some time back, about a month ago, six weeks ago. I just got a letter through the post, and uh, they, they, they said that my passport was going to expire in November. And uh, it was a good thing, because if you're traveling, in some cases, 
the, the countries will require you to have a six-month validity on your, on your passport. So it came in good time, and I felt, let me do that, because I could travel any time. So I sent it, and I, I felt that's very good, that I had a reminder through, because I have one other passport like that. They don't remind you that, <laughs> if you like, if you like, don't go and renew it. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why you're laughing. I, I, <laughs> they, don't, they don't ever tell you anything. If you don't check the date yourself, you just get to the airport one day, they say your passport has expired. Anyway. <laughs> oh, God. So they, they, they sent me that, and it's good. But let me tell you something. That passport is my power to use my British citizenship to travel as, as I need, as, I, as occasion demands, okay? Now, that passport was going to expire. If I did not respond to that, that power is there. If I don't respond to it to renew it, and I got to the airport with the old passport that is now expired, even though I have power to have the brand new one with me, I did not follow the leading and that instruction to say, get it renewed. And I slam it on the desk as I normally would do and say, that's my passport, that's my ticket, check me in. And the lady or the guy at the counter opens and says, oh, I would have done that, but your passport is expired. Would I fly that day? No way. No matter who I was, I wouldn't fly until that passport is renewed. Now, the power to use the passport is there, but if I don't allow the leading and the things that I needed to do to get that passport right and get it renewed, then I would not be able to enjoy the privilege of it. How many people understand what I'm talking about? To enjoy sonship, you must be led by the Spirit of God. Jehovah Ra has come to lead you so that you can enjoy sonship. Hallelujah! It is a personal responsibility to keep putting the flesh down. First Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27. The Bible says, But I discipline my body and bring it into subjection. Least when I have preached to others, I myself should not be disqualified. Somebody say, I discipline my body. Say, Lord, help me to discipline my body. You see, the discipline of your body is a non-negotiable. It's not something somebody else will do for you. It's not what prayer will just do for you. You have to every day put your body under. The translations that are varied say different things. One says, I buffet my body. I plummet my body. I beat my body daily. I subject my body. I discipline my body. Because this flesh will always want to make you disobey Jehovah Ra. This flesh will always want you to be disqualified. This flesh will always seek to, to make life a misery, even though you have access to the power for sonship. May you and I continue to discipline our bodies appropriately. In the name of Jesus. Very close to that, the second thing that I would like to say is mammon. Mammon, this is money. Money, jobs, business, material things. These are things that seek to lead us in the place. Instead of Jehovah Ra, they seek to take control. Matthew 6, verse 24. Jesus says, no one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and what? And mammon. You cannot serve God and mammon. If you want to follow Jehovah Ra, you must know how to put Mammon in his place. The God of Mammon has found his way into the body of Christ, very sadly, in the name of prosperity gospel. 
I say prosperity in inverted commas because there is nothing wrong with the prosperity teaching. The Bible says Jesus became poor that we become rich and so on and so forth. God wants us to prosper. There is nothing wrong with that. But when the God of mammon is presented as something that we pursue in the place of God, that is no more a gospel that has become idolatry. When we are in pursuit of mammon and of the things that bring mammon and serve mammon in place of God, then we have turned the other in the wrong way. Verse 33, Matthew 6, the Bible says, But what? You must seek first the kingdom of God and its righteousness. And what? All other things shall be added unto us. That's supposed to be Matthew 6, 33. Say, But you seek first the kingdom of God and its righteousness. And all other things shall be added unto you. It's supposed to be Matthew 6, 33, not 23. It is so important for us to understand that the desire of God is that we be active kingdom pursuers. When we seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness, he makes sure that everything that mammon is trying to get us to bow to, to try to get us to be lured by, are automatically added unto us. And somebody will say, but Pastor David, are you saying that I should not work? Are you saying that I should not seek to improve myself? I'm not saying that. I'm only saying that let your desire on a continual basis be that the kingdom of God is priority. When you plan your week, plan your week, planning very well that the kingdom of God, whatever that represents in your life, the pursuit of the kingdom takes priority. Amen. When you live like that, God begins to honor himself in your life and causes those things. The Bible says these are the things that the Gentiles are seeking for. What is the difference between us who know the way and those who's, who are yet to know the way if we do the same things, run the same race, pursue the same things? What's the difference? Kingdom people must understand that our core duty is first to seek the, first the kingdom of God and his righteousness so that all other things can be added to us. I have heard many things in recent time when people say, after all, people who don't serve God are succeeding. After all, people who don't serve God are enjoying good. And I want you to understand that in life, there is success and there is good success. Joshua 1.8 tells us, he said, This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written therein. Then you shall make your way prosperous, and you shall have what? Good success. Every time you see the provisions of God in scripture, it talks about good James 1.17 says, every good and perfect gift comes. So there are gifts. I go to Dubai from time to time. It's a place I like to visit. It's a lovely place to relax when you do want to relax. Good, good, good things. It's very expensive. Don't stay too long there. But then relax when you want to relax. <laughs> but truly, every time it comes to my mind that, Lord, are you saying that all these people, if they don't truly confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, this is just what it comes down to? This is the best it can get? But that's just what it is. According to John chapter 3, verse 17, he who believes is saved. But he who does not believe in Jesus Christ as Lord, no matter how beautiful they build their cities, no matter how good they do things, no matter how life seems to be speaking, it all ends here. The psalmist said, it was when I went into the temple that I understood their end. That anyone who is not born again has no future outside everything you see here. No future. So the Bible says that there are shepherds, but God said, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. 
Everything about God has good before it. That's why when that man came and said, good master, God, Jesus said to him, he said, no one is good except God the Father. Not that he's saying that he wasn't good because he and the Father are one, but just to give emphasis that there can't be anything good if it's not linked to God the Father. Praise the Lord. So don't let anybody tell you that, ah, after all, those people who are building mansions and this, they don't pay tithes, they don't belong to church, they're not even Christians, and they're enjoying life, they drive Ferraris and drive... Don't, don't, don't buy that nonsense. It is utter nonsense, no matter what a man rides or buys or chooses in this life, if he does not have a relationship with God the Father, he, everything is amounting to futility. Vanity upon vanity, all is vanity. May God continue to allow us to pursue Jehovah Ra in the name of Jesus. So the promise to prophet Ezekiel is that the true shepherd will come through David. And this must be the one we seek. Ezekiel chapter 34 verse 23 and 24. The Bible tells us, I will establish one shepherd over them and he shall feed them. My servant David, he shall feed them and be their shepherd. Verse 24 says, and I the Lord will be their God. I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David, a prince among them. We know that this is talking about the Lord Jesus Christ himself. We know that from John chapter 10, verse 11, as I take my final scripture from there. John chapter 10, verse 11, let's quickly read that together. Everybody want to go. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. No one has ever done this for another person. Only Jesus came and gave his life for you and I. He is the good shepherd. But when he was leaving, he said in John chapter 14, I am going to prepare a place for you. In my father's house are many mansions. But I will ask for my father. He said, just keep following my commandments. John chapter 14, verse 15. He said, just keep following my commandments. He said, and I will pray the father and he will send you a helper who will continue to guide you in these things. So Jesus came so that you and I can continue to be guided. You will not fall into error. I say you will not fall into error in the name of Jesus. Everything that is attempting to derail you and put you off track and make you go that way of destruction, my God, Jehovah Ra, will prevent you from falling into such pit holes. I say you will not fall into such pits. You will not fall into such potholes. In the name of Jesus, rise to your feet right now and begin to talk to the Lord.